Christian Esquerra and welcome to this episode of After the Fact where we get to see things quite clearly, where we get a better sense of the truth. Let's start by dissecting this. Ahead of President Duterte's last State of the Nation address on July 26, many aspects of his governance have come under even closer scrutiny. Studied by the Ateneo policy and on his administration's legislative performance. In terms of bills passed by Congress, he firmly dominates. The scorecard is, quote, quantitatively impressive, but qualitatively inadequate. Meaning, like his predecessors, Duterte has prioritized, quote, short-term and rewarding laws over meaningful long-term reforms. These, of course, include political reforms, such as an anti-political dynasty law or a freedom of information law, which remains stuck in the House of Representatives. Now, to be fair, the same Ateneo study showed that Duterte, quote, scored well on economic and some social sector legislation. Don't forget, though, that this was the same lower house that denied ABS-CBN a new broadcast franchise last year, taking away thousands of jobs in the middle of the pandemic. Now, be part of our discussion. Send us your questions and comments on our YouTube live chat or tweet us using the hashtag ANCAfterTheFact. Joining us tonight is one of the authors of the Ateneo Policy Center study, Attorney Michael Yusinko. Also with us is Albay Representative Joey Salceda. He is the chairman of the uh, Committee on Ways and Means at the House of Representatives. We're also joined on the line by Bayan Muna Partners Representative Carlos Zarate. Good evening, gentlemen, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good evening, Christian. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Christian. I'll start with the attorney Michael Yusinko because you were the author of this particular part of the study by the Ateneo Policy Center. So basically, you assess the legislative performance of President Duterte, not just last year, but over the five, over the past five years. So but basically, what were the major findings? You made the distinction between social sector reforms and political reforms. So Christian, what we did is uh, we looked at all the laws that were passed since uh, the, enact the ratification of the 1987 Constitution. So we looked at uh, the legislative performance uh, of all the presidents, starting from President Cory Aquino to President Duterte. And then we divided the presidents into uh, the laws into five categories, political, social, economic, bureaucratic, and um, particularistic. So. That's the way that we analyzed uh, the legislative performance of each presidential administration. So, and then we just uh, compared how uh, each of the presidents uh, performed in terms of uh, pushing for legislation uh, under their own agenda. So uh, what our findings uh, basically, I mean, just to put it simply, uh, in terms of numbers, uh, this administration, the incumbent administration, is up there, no? Uh, only second to the administration of President Ramos in terms of producing the number of laws. And in fact, in terms of uh, enacting economic laws, uh, social laws and economic laws, uh, the current administration is a top, top performer, no? But uh, in terms of really enacting the laws or uh, pushing for reforms that the, the president uh, promised at the beginning of his uh, 
term, that's where uh, we found that uh, this administration is uh, wanting. Okay, in particular, what were the missed opportunities uh, that you're talking about here in terms of priority legislation? So the first, uh, the most obvious one is, of course, uh, the, the promise of changing the political structure that we have, the current government structure that we have from unitary to federal. Okay? That was a bold promise that uh, was made during his campaign. No? So the tagline, the ang slogan niya is, yes to federalism, no to drugs. Diba? So that's the most obvious example, a bold promise made in 2016 that after five years uh, was not delivered. OK. I'd like to ask uh, Congressman Salceda, you are at the forefront of these uh, reforms that uh, were pushed at the House of Representatives, especially by virtue of your position as chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, so basically, Congressman, ito yung ilang salient points in that study. I'd like you to react to, the, to these. Number one, sabi nila, President Duterte, under President Duterte, Congress prioritized short-term and rewarding laws over meaningful long-term reforms. And number two, quantitatively impressive but qualitatively inadequate. Do you think this is a fair assessment of the legislative uh, scorecard or performance of the Duterte administration? Um, we have, I think, um, the House has approved a lot of things that are pending in the Senate. Uh, we have package three or the valuation reform. We have the, the reform of the financial reforms, basically. This, increasing taxes on FCDUs from zero. We have the Foreign Investment Act. It's pending on second reading Senate. Public Services Act is being debated in the Senate. These are all approved by the House. Retail Trade is now, I think, basically under my come. The Department of Water has been um, essentially pending in the, uh, in the committee level. The creation of the Department of Offices Filipinos is uh, approved in third reading in the House. I was the PWG chair of both. Creation of the disaster, creation of Department of Disaster Resilience, approved in third reading, it's pending in the Senate. The essentially the Fire Protection Modernization Act, it's uh, pending ratification by both houses. Um, um, the uh, national the, well, I think uh, we might see some uh, great fiscal reform basically on the uniform personnel or the so-called MUP reform. It's been approved in, uh, and the Center for Disease Control and uh, um, VIP or the Virology Institute. Over. So uh, I would uh, not, the Senate has its own politic, political dynamics, but I would say that the House has done much, much better. And if uh, the, on the Senate uh, dances to the, and basically these are very are reforms that are long overdue and basically uh, very substantial. And um, I think uh, we still have a year and um, at least three months uh, prior, two months prior to um, the filing. And uh, immediately we will have the Pogo tax. I think it will be approved. And I think we'll be able to approve the ESAMU tax. This will deliver a lot of revenues. At least uh, the first one will deliver 58 million per year. The other one will deliver 12 billion per year. 
And uh, the laws that we have essentially enacted, um, train one, and there's another there's another 3% cut in personal income tax further reducing and therefore um, essentially uh, increasing the net tech pay. We have the tax amnesty on estates. We've been able to extend it until 2023. We increased two times uh, the tobacco taxes and increased uh, alcohol taxes. And of course, we have essentially created and, and this much of the reform essentially actually, um, um, I would like to, to um, sabi ko na many of these were um, initiatives where uh, I think uh, the Committee on Waste Means took a leading role essentially in much of the reforms of even uh, that are uh, pending in the Senate. Most definitely. I think um, we have time to deliver. So if we deliver, I think it, I will call it unfair. The the, uh, the the characterization in that study. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because I've done valuation reform, the financial reform, the Foreign Investment Act, the Public Services Amendment Act, the Retail Trade Depreciation Act, the Department of Water, creation Department of Overseas Philippines, creation of the Department of Disaster. They're all pending in the Senate. The Fire Protection Modernization Act is uh, pending ratification. The Retail Trade Depreciation is actually in the bycamp. And uh, I think basically um, the POGA tax will go into a bicamp. Uh, they finish it in the Senate, they finish it in the House. So um, if you count a lot of much of uh, very substantial uh, forthcoming reforms, I think uh, it's it's just awaiting Senate action. Okay. I'd like to go to uh, Congressman Carlos Sarate, who's uh, with us uh, by phone. Congressman Sarate, so we have this uh, recent study by the Ateneo Policy Center, and uh, we heard the response coming from Congressman Salceda. Basically, that is unfair. But also, to be fair, that same study cited uh, uh, the, the, the performance of the Duterte administration, the legislative performance, basically scoring well on economic and some social sector legislation, but largely failed to live up to political reform expectations. What do you think? Uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Congressman Zarate, on this characterization and this assessment of the legislative performance. Uh, thank you, Christian. Uh, while it is probably true that uh, the Duterte ad administration, as uh, described earlier, is second only to the Ramos administration in terms of legislation being pushed to the uh, legislative means, but uh, I think for us, Christian, the real question there is, is uh, for whose benefits are these uh, so-called uh, number of legislations that were uh, passed in these past five years? No, because if you will ask us, no, uh, even if uh, we uh, scan all these uh, pieces of legislations, no, beginning from the train, for example, up to the uh, rights import liberalization law, well, these are laws that will not truly benefit our people. Uh, and uh, if you look at the uh, other reforms mentioned earlier by our colleagues, no, uh, the uh, Honorable Salceda, these are uh, legislation, so-called reforms that will further liberalize our uh, economy, our country, no, uh, in our pursuit for that uh, so-called holy grail of uh, uh, 
uh, foreign uh, direct investment no na doon nakaasa yung uh, uh, survival of our economy no uh, from their point of view but uh, to us uh, this uh, so-called reforms this past decade in fact uh, contributed much to how and uh, why our economy is such in a mess right now no because even before the pandemic Christian uh, hit us in uh, uh, the early part of 2020, our economy is actually already declining in the past uh, three or four years. No, so these reforms to us uh, are not actually reforms that will lift our people from you know from uh, uh, the economic misery that uh, they're in right now. No, so the bigger question there is: Are our our people, millions of our poor people, better off now than five years ago? Uh, our answer to that is a big no. No, so. These reforms uh, do not really cater to uh, the masa uh, to whom President Duterte promised no, that, that uh, uh, sa kanyang pamumuno, they will be lifted from the, uh, the, uh, the problems of poverty and other related problems no, na kinakaharap nila noon at hanggang ngayon ay kinakaharap nila. How much of that assessment of yours is actually uh, the result of the ongoing pandemic? Because if you ask that question, whether the lives of uh, majority of Filipinos are better off now compared to five years ago, how much of that is a function or a result of the ongoing pandemic? Well, uh, uh, how much? Uh, uh, to ask Christian, actually, the, uh, the crisis uh, brought about by, I think, our, we believe our you know, uh, economic policies of the past and even up to now, no, being continued by the present administration, uh, was only aggravated no, so much by uh, this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And in fact, it exposes the weakness of our, uh, weaknesses of our economy, no, that our economy uh, is mainly uh, dependent on, uh, you know, export-oriented economy, import-dependent economy, you know, even if we have already liberalized so much of our uh, uh, economic sector, no? Ito mga nakaraan, uh, halos even yung naiwan na lang Christian na uh, sector, for example, retail trade, ay kayo, ibubukas na rin yan to the uh, control of uh, foreign investors, no? Uh, so, uh, if these are the same, the same uh, prescriptions, no? Uh, so-called reforms that uh, will be uh, put in place despite this uh, pandemic situation that we are in now, I think uh, uh, even if you, if there's another term for President Duterte, we will not be taken out from this uh, uh, mess that we are in right now, Christian. Before I ask Congressman Salcena to respond to, to, to your points, I'd like to ask uh, Attorney Yusinko to elaborate on this part of your study where you said that key reforms that were passed are widely criticized for promoting efficiency over equity and for falling short in addressing key governance issues. Basically, that's quite an indictment. So I think the, if I remember correctly, the example that uh, we cited there uh, was the uh, rice tarification law. So that, that, that's an example of uh, the, the, the legislature uh, enacting a law really focusing on the need, the need to enact the law because it was uh, responding to the needs of the times. But, yes, uh, at that time, uh, there was a belief that uh, 
that law would actually boost our economy uh, tremendously, right? And uh, many of the economists agree with that. But uh, together with really uh, an endorsement of that law was really the caveat that there should be safety measures because there, there was going to be an impact that uh, needed to be considered specifically with the farmers uh, and, and the other sectors that would be impacted. The law should have uh, accounted for that and put in safety measures, right? And so when that law uh, was enacted and then the implementation commenced, uh, slowly but surely, some of those safety measures uh, did not uh, meet uh, those needs, right? So that is what we meant by uh, our legislature really pushing for uh, a law, particularly an economic law, to respond to the needs of the times, but without really uh, instituting the safety measures that would address the impact of that law. Okay, that, that, that's a, that is a common concern here, the lack of uh, sufficient safety nets, especially for the most vulnerable. So I'd like uh, Congressman Salceda to respond to this because this is quite, as I mentioned earlier, quite an indictment. <clears throat> Promoting <clears throat> equity and falling short in addressing key governance issues. So uh, Attorney Mike mentioned the, the rice tarification, the lifting mm, of the- With respect to the trans- yeah. I think it's essentially egalitarian in character. You know, you favor the consumers. Uh, 99% of Filipinos eat rice three times a day. And uh, of course, you provide safety nets to 3.6 million farmers. The problem is that um, much of the supposed, uh, let's say, um, it was the, the, the so-called the, the measured impacts, in other words, uh, the impacts on the farmers would not have been as uh, uh, aggravated were it not for the existing in the, uh, industry dynamics, wherein um, the what you know, the the regional oligopsonies were able to capture the benefit by essentially being able to buy cheap rice, but they're not being passed on to the consumers, and essentially by did yeah, um, I mean, definitely there are oligopsies or cartels. Uh, so I think uh, that is preventing, and uh, that, uh, that 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 I think takes a, a lot of executive action and essentially use of uh, laws against cartels. And there, there's enough laws really to go after them. Uh, the scene, the PDP competition, the DA, the DTI, they're all after them. But of course, um, you know, the political economy uh, apparently is. Um, but uh, I would say that the rice tarification act was essentially an egalitarian. And even train is very egalitarian, you know, reducing the pit, uh, the single link, the single biggest transfer of the state of its own resource, of resources, amounting to almost uh, on the first year to 147 billion. First year of uh, train one went to uh, ordinary employees. Um, and uh, you compare that, for example, to create, which is another uh, supposed to be uh, job creating by the transfer of the state of resources to corporation and MSME by way of reduction of corporate income tax from 30 to 20 for small 
SMEs and uh, from okay. Okay, I think this is the mention in the report, even that trade bill. So basically, while it directly benefits large corporations, the indirect benefit, uh, as far as the general population is concerned, uh, leaves much to be desired, right? Like that oh, you, 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 watch, you, you, you watch the underlying of the remit they have to create. The office take up has actually gone now, and retail um, space has also gone now. So I think it has, and uh, there's virtually no um, corporate uh, annual report that doesn't, because it's retroactive to July 2020. So uh, I think uh, it would have been, I don't know whether it's enforceable for that, it should not be useful to, for stock buybacks or for uh, increased dividends. But uh, when we were banking on historical facts that 87%, of tax savings usually are used for um, capital investments. That is based on the SEC, but uh, you know, um, COVID got in the way, um, but uh, COVID in other words, create became also an instrument for uh, uh, allowing um, corporations or enterprises, which are very difficult to, um, to resurface once you allow them to fall, fall into the fall into the hole. So I think uh, at least, you know, um, some jobs were saved, although um, I think uh, Create was supposed to create a lot of new jobs. I think it's more on the more affirmative. Uh, so, but um, the corporations are responding, but uh, it's not yet in the, the surface, it's not yet in the headline. Okay, so in this case, I'd like to ask uh, Congressman Zarate. So you saw the report by Ateneo. Basically, this is in re uh, this could also prime us for uh, a much deeper discussion in time for the uh, SONA, the last one of President Duterte. In this case, what do you think would be the uh, biggest uh, shortcomings as far as legislation is concerned by by the Duterte administration? And uh, earlier, Congressman Zarate mentioned that there's still there's still time to basically. Uh, pass other key reforms through legislation in the final year. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Christian. Uh, uh, I think talagang uh, ang uh, kulang, no? If uh, you may ask us, if, uh, for the failure ang kulang or the, the failure of the Duterte administration uh, to deliver to the people, no? The promises that will, uh, for example, uh, for example, social legislation. He promised uh, not only during his inaugural speech, but even reiterated during uh, his first sauna uh, to solve the problem of our workers, for example, itong problema ng endo, no, contractualization. No? But uh, up to now, uh, uh, when uh, a, 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 a in fact, uh, downgraded deal was submitted to Malacanang, uh, he still vetoed it. No? Uh, second, uh, he also campaign on the promise that uh, he will be embarking on a sort of going uh, uh, land reform, for example. No? But uh, up to now, hindi rin nangyari yun, yung ganun pangako niya. And in fact, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the bias really of the uh, Duterte administration is no different from the bias of previous administrations. That is why like, well, we cannot even understand why in the middle of this pandemic, they continued to push through with the passage of uh, CREATE, for example, no? that we lower the uh, taxes of corporations. 
uh, from 32% to 20% when they uh, when uh, business people may may uh, welcome this but certainly uh, in, uh, in times of crisis where we need more uh, revenue from our uh, business businesses uh, that is not i think a, a correct measure no uh, there was a, uh, a study that uh, no probably what uh, we will lost uh, 155 billion uh, due to the passing of Ukraine. Uh, that is why recently uh, President Duterte is saying we we'll, we have to call back uh, the Pogo. No, uh, we have to uh, just accept that gambling can help us in this time of crisis, no? so that we can have more revenues. No, so uh, again, uh, a lot of promises uh, were made uh, that uh, supposedly will uh, help our people. No, populist uh, 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 promises, but. He did not deliver, no? Uh, and uh, he ran on the issue of uh, anti-corruption. No? But uh, there are a lot of legislative measures in the House, even up to now. And in the Rincalaganagi priority in administration, for example, the passage of the uh, Whistleblowers Act, no? the amendment to our Witness Protection uh, Program Act, no? that will supposedly also help address the issue of corruption, but these were not being uh, prioritized by the Duterte administration. And more importantly, you know, the and freedom of information that will uh, supposedly help our people, or also help, for that matter, in the campaign against corruption, that's uh, not the no? So uh, uh, President Duterte did not use his political capital to oppose his allies. No? If these are really key... Uh, reforms that he wants to push you know, uh, as he promised during his first term, then he could have used his political capital uh, so that these bills will be uh, will pass through the uh, legislative bill and became, become law. But again, uh, this did not happen no? uh, these past five years. And there are a lot more that we can cite. No? Uh, so talagang pinaprioritize lang nila, sabi ko nga, uh, legislative measures that will further liberalize our economy and uh, also uh, recently in the House, even the uh, tinkering of our Constitution no, to remove the protectionist provisions of our Constitution. Uh, probably it's just uh, by happenstance that ang sa Senate ay hindi ito masyado pang tumikilos. But can you just imagine no, uh, if all of these uh, proposed amendments uh, will be uh, uh, made, no? Uh, talagang uh, ang tatamaan at tatamaan nito ang ating ekonomiya and this will have great impact uh, on our people who are now suffering no, from this great crisis. Okay. Now let's go to the uh, other promised reforms in the political sphere by the Duterte administration. This is also uh, highlighted in the Ateneo study. Uh, first, Attorney uh, Yusinko, give us a sense of why this was the case. Meaning, for instance, you mentioned the promise to uh, shift to a federal form of government and it didn't happen. Uh, others might say it didn't actually take off, but others are saying it actually took off, but it got stoned. Uh, why do you think this was the case? Before I answer that, Christian, you know, let me just uh, offer, I think, one of the most or more important insights of our paper. And I think why this is the reason why uh, our discussion here is very important. Uh, President Duterte is a unicorn of sorts, no? because when he began his term, he was really uh, a maverick. No? He packaged himself as a maverick, maverick with bold promises. Right? 
And coupled with that uh, maverick spirit, he enjoyed a like a, a mega coalition in the legislature. No? So he had a super coalition in the lower house. And when he began his term, he also had uh, a similar coalition at the upper house. So when he began his term, his maverick spirit was further bolstered by his strong coalition with the legislature. And another factor that we considered was that President Duterte enjoyed unprecedented popularity and trust from the public at that time. So he was a unicorn, unicorn of sorts because he was the only president, as far as I can recall, who enjoyed those three uh, aspects of, of a presidential term at the start. So that's why yung analysis namin is sort of uh, merong tinge of disappointment precisely because of that, right? Kasi pag pinaasa ka sa simula, right, na itong papasok na bagong Pangulo will bring really the change that we desire, if after five years you realize that he is more or less the same as before, you will really feel a sense of disappointment. And I think that's one of the okay. insights I, of our paper. I think that is fair in terms of his record, in terms of political reforms, right? But in yes. terms of social sector reforms, you yourself in that study yes. uh, gave that's him correct. credit, right? Yes, so, thank you for clarifying that, Christian. Given that immense popularity by the president, why do you think he was still not able to pull it off? For example, very, very concretely, because divided din naman ang tao whether to shift to federalism or not, di ba? Pero yung key political reforms, for instance, an enabling law uh, for the anti-political dynasty provision in the Constitution, why do you think the president failed to uh, to do it? Uh, let's let's bring it closer to reality, Christian, or to ano, yung, kung ano talaga yung story. But kasi part of, part of the his priority list is the enactment of the right-sizing of government bill, right? And that has a huge impact in his anti-corruption advocacy. In fact, yung right-sizing bill is now complementary to uh, Executive Order 138, which is uh, an executive order implementing the Mandanas decision. So why is, it, why is that bill still, which is a priority bill, right? It's part of his priority list. Bakit hindi pa rin siya na ipapasa? Why is it still languishing in the list? Kasi, kasi ang inuuna ng administration, and this is confirmed by uh, Congressman Salceda, is the economic uh, uh, bills, right? Because in fairness naman, those bills, those economic bills, really responds to the calls of the times. Kasi kailangan talaga natin, because, you know, our, our economy is... Uh, nose diving, and it has to be resuscitated, di ba? Now, ang, ang concern namin, one of the insights nga is that the political reforms that we really badly need, and it will improve our lives in the long term, na only a president, like President Duterte, as I said, he was a unicorn, only him can realistically push for those reforms. Like what you said, yung anti-dynasty, 
he could have pushed that because he had the political capital. He had the bold, uh, bold vision for the country. He had the support of the people. He had the support of uh, his fellow politicians. So, but uh, he did not push that. Why do you think he failed to do that? Uh, sa totoo lang, it's a mystery to us. But uh, obviously because of political considerations, and uh, he himself, no, he has declared also, I've heard him say it, that it will be very difficult to push reforms if it will affect uh, the grip of, of, of power of, our, of the lawmakers. Narinig ko sinabi niya yun, di ba, na yung mismo sila mismo, hindi nila ipapasa yun because it's going to affect the way they uh, do business in Congress. So, Sige. siguro, coming from the horse's mouth, yun siguro yung dahilan. Bakit hindi na-push yung federalism, yung anti-dynasty law, and... Mamaya we will ask the, the congressmen themselves, in particular si Congressman Joey Salceda, medyo napapangiti siya dyan sa point na yan kanina. Uh, but before that, we're going to take a quick break. After the fact, we'll be right back. After the fact, we're still joined by Attorney Michael Henry Yusinka of the Ateneo Policy Center, Congressman Joey Salceda, and Congressman Kaloy Zarate. Okay, before we took a break, uh, we were talking about key political reforms that were promised by President Duterte, but still, he was not able to, uh, to this day, uh, pull off. Okay, I'd like to get the response of uh, Congressman Joey Salceda. In particular, for example, uh, Attorney Yusinka mentioned that the President enjoys immense popularity, he basically controls Congress, in particular the House of Representatives. Why do you think he was not able to, let's say, um, pass key political reforms, in particular the anti-political dynasty law? Well, the history teaches us that the revolution create political reforms. But I haven't seen political reforms uh, that will create revolutions. So it's very asymmetric, basically. So, for example, if you want uh, big-time political reforms, uh, then I think it can only start from a revolution. You know, uh, where it's not, let's say, for example, for Marcos uh, hijacking the 1972 revolution, the uh, 1972 constitution, it was actually a product of a revolution. Same with the 1987 constitution. It was a product of a revolution. But um, a revolution can create political reforms, but political reforms that will create a political will essentially be uh, stopped by, uh, by uh, the establishment or the status quo benefit from it. So does it mean that uh, despite the immense popularity by the president, despite the huge political capital that he enjoys, he could not really go up against a house, for instance, that is firmly controlled by political dynasties? I think it's worse in the Senate, where you have uh, done the same names all over again. At least in the House, there is a more dynamic transition. You know, everywhere you look uh, in the House, you know, you, I mean, uh, like uh, Sarah, they would be, you'll be talking to my colleagues who are from Ateneo. I don't know whether Ateneo taught them properly or UP or Harvard or, um, you know, name it, name all the big schools or LaSalle, you know. I don't know whether... The, we have an enlightened ruling elite. In other words, uh, I would say it's a failure of Ateneo to educate them properly and therefore make them more susceptible to such political reform in the systematic and orderly legislation. So in other words, in the current 
political economy of the Philippines, uh, if you look, take, just take a look back, it is revolution that create political reforms and political reforms that will create revolutions, I think, uh, will essentially be stopped by uh, the establishment. But is it that a convenient excuse to pass specific political reforms that can actually be done as long as, let's say, legislators are, are on board, uh, in this case, under President Duterte? Well, you're talking about political reforms, and uh, the political reforms essentially tend to be more egalitarian, right? So, in short, um, uh, you definitely have big boys, and uh, I would say the incestuous relationship between big business and uh, probably uh, some, uh, I think, uh, have pernicious or uh, insidious impact on, you know, getting these political reforms. Okay, Congressman Zarate, what do you think regarding this specific, specific issue? According to uh, Congressman Joey, basically we need a revolution to be able to pull this off. But uh, uh, in this case, do you also get the sense that uh, President Duterte, while he talked tough regarding political reforms, he talked about federalism at the start, uh, did you also get the sense that somehow this was not really a priority by the president? Well, uh, Christian, uh, I think in reality, uh, President Duterte is not really serious in uh, pushing after five years. No, we can now say this. But he's not really serious in pushing for all these political reforms that he promised that he will do in uh, way back in 2016, even in the issue of uh, federalism. No? Uh, remember, uh, as early as I think 2014 or 2015, he already uh, use this as a sounding board, no? Uh, the issue of federalism, uh, so-called Manila imperialism, uh, as, as a popular uh, call no? to rally the people behind him. But uh, when uh, that issue already serves its purpose, no? uh, he just you know, abandoned it. No? Uh, uh, yeah. As we mentioned earlier, and uh, by our other guests, uh, no? political capital uh, to really push for these uh, for these uh, uh, reforms. No? Uh, it's no different when they said before that I will, you know, topple or uh, destroy all these oligarchs. But uh, in, in the main, what he did is just, you know, target some so-called oligarchs and pamper the other oligarchs. Yeah, and uh, in fact, after. Uh, after he was already, he's already in Malacanang, he, he again, uh, he started courting all these so-called uh, big businesses and these oligarchs. No? So, uh, so you, that, that's the problem that uh, we are facing now. No? Uh, and it's no different when he said that I will embark on an independent foreign policy. But uh, in reality, that independent foreign policy is just cultivating from one a foreign master to another foreign master, or in fact, cultivating to two foreign masters. No? So uh, I, I think that's why we have this, all this, these appointments now, no? uh, to say the least. Uh, because, uh, again, um, he promised that change will be coming no? in uh, 2016, that change will, know, will be different uh, when he is already in Balacanang. But uh, I think it's more of the same, and in fact worse, no? compared to what we have in 2016, Christian. Okay, I'd like to... But I think, but I think you have to give credit. 
But I think you have to give credit to the president. He could have used the powers uh, to say uh, fiscal unsustainability, especially if you are under COVID in the and uh, what you can call the economic scarring and postponed the uh, Mandana's ruling. But he allowed, you see, what is political reform? It's all about transferring resources, okay? And uh, there were calls within the economic uh, team to essentially uh, use those resources. And instead, you know, he allowed the Mandana's ruling to proceed on 2022. <laughs> uh, can I, <laughs> uh, did I hear it correctly? He allowed the Bandaras ruling to, to proceed? Yes. Because there is a provision in the 7160 which says that you, know, you can uh, postpone the, you can uh, postpone the era uh, during uh, by declaring a fiscal crisis which we are in um, and therefore um, um, and therefore I think um, allow, uh, in other words, uh, postpone at least, you know, uh, the transfer, uh, you know, the, um, the, um, the share of the local governments will increase by 52% in 2022. That is transfer of power and that is a transfer of resources. But that's just local versus national. Um, but in terms of the political system, still, uh, I think uh, it is um, still not uh, as a radical as a, a more a more okay there will be some devolution but uh uh some but there is no uh radical decentralization of um uh highly of a highly centralized um uh, decision making processes only the money was only the money was uh, essentially devolved some functions to go with it and um before I go to 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 attorney Mike, may maybe so it announced sa Mandana's ruling uh, to, to to you, Congressman Salceda. Does the president really deserve to get credit for that? Because, uh, I, well, there was there was a big there was a big debate whether to allow it or to declare um, a state of high of fiscally unsustainable uh, unsustainable fiscal uh, situation. And uh, there were even some proposal to essentially change uh, change the definition to retain the the, the, the previous definition, which excludes uh, external external uh, revenues uh, that that essentially include those revenues that are being collected at customs. But uh, I think um, I, I would have you know as a fiscal hawk in Congress. I, I I think uh, that would have been considered, given that uh, you know, for many congressmen, that's a loss of uh, turf in with uh, vis-a-vis the, the governors and uh, the the local mayors because they will have more resources, more discretionary spending because of uh, the Mandana's ruling. That is a fifty-two percent increase in one year. Oh. In, Okay, Attorney Mike, you wanted to say something regarding the Yeah, I don't think we should give credit to the president for just complying with the order of the Supreme Court. Yes. And now, after what uh, hearing from Congressman Salceda, I'm, I'm trying to ask now, did we really come to a point that we were actually considering declaring fiscal unsustainability? Yes. Yes. Then, wh then why didn't we do that? 
right? He did not do that because essentially, I think uh, it made sense to him that uh, essentially um, there was a great grand debate inside the cabinet, and he, he made uh, it was quite firm in implementing the mandans ruling on 2022. Is, is are we that, not that, that, are we not in a fiscal crisis right now with deficit at 8.2 percent? And if you strip out, and if you strip out, uh, you don't want me to finish. Okay, sige. No, no. Because if we are in such a, a dire situation, we are uh, fiscally. Then why didn't the president make that hard decision to postpone the Mandanas case? If you are correct that he had the legal right to do that. Then why did he do it? It's in Republic Act 7160. Yeah. The so deficit, the deficit I, 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 went, went up from 3.2 to 9.2%. That's a tripling. Yeah. And but, uh, but you know, you we, you had um, you had a COVID pandemic essentially uh, driving the, the fiscal crisis. So okay. uh, my earlier Congressman Salceda, is it right to give credit to President Duterte over that in the context of political reform? Because even that, you what, is, that. what is political reform? Basically, it's a transfer of power, and power is resources. Oh, it's beyond merely realignment. Beyond merely realignment. So, so I mean, it's short of really just uh, you know transferring um, from the national uh, certain powers. It's but just a devolution of to, functions. Okay, sorry for cutting off. But if you wanted to really institutionalize this transfer of power. Why didn't he furiously push for his federal model or design? Well, uh, of course, as I've said, um, I think in this country, after being uh, in um, in in my uh, I've been in, been for the for the point of past twenty four years, I've seen that political reforms in this country would be more incremental than radical. Uh, it will only be a revolution that will push political reforms. Once we breach the the the, the limits of uh, contradiction of uh, between what is required and and what is the existing structure, so for as long as this still allow you know certain flexibilities, and uh, I think uh, and the greatest um, bound of course is uh, our ability to. Um, or of OFWs, as well as, of course, uh, the emergence of new industries okay. like the BPOs and the IT industry. So I think uh, it allowed the economy to essentially. So it um, it um, circumvents and or outflanks having to directly confront the need for political reform if you want to drive higher political, higher economic growth. Certainly, the kind of politics we have is uh, this is uh, is uh, is, a, is a rigidity to uh, greater economic uh, efficiency and uh, greater economic, uh, um, let's say, uh, greater economic structural um, uh, um, expanding what you can call the the the, um, the production curve essentially. I was supposed to ask Congressman Sarate. Are, are you still uh, on the line, Congressman Sarate? Yes, yes, Christian. Yes, okay. Maganda yung mga sinabi ni Congressman uh, Salceda. Pero yun nga, i-mentioned na yung, yung political reforms could be incremental. And I think that was the tenor of the conversation later on after he had to actually push for this uh, 
wholesale grand design of federalism. But in this case, don't you think this this failure to push for even incremental political reforms on the part of President Duterte is also reflective of the kind of politics that he and his family also embraced? For example, in the Bau City, to be very uh, uh, um, basic about it, how could a president like him push for an anti-political dynasty law that would enable the constitutional provision if he himself has established his own political dynasty? I mean, how much of this is actually affected by that, uh, Congress Masarate? Uh, uh, exactly, uh, Christian. No? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this uh, populist uh, rhetorics before that uh, the president used already served its purpose, no? It's already in Malacanang. Uh, and uh, uh, in fact, uh, as mentioned earlier by Congressman Joey, uh, about this Mandana's ruling, of course, he will not court the ire of the LGUs, no? Hindi uh, niya implement yung decision ng Mandana's because uh, 2022 is just around the corner and uh, uh, the Duterte administration now is in the mode of uh, survival mode, no? Uh, beyond 2022, and that's why uh, uh, they were already confronted, no? Uh, with pushing for these uh, political reforms that they promised way, way back in 1996, uh, uh, 2016. Uh, it will expose, no? Uh, if they will continue with these reforms, it will expose the fact that uh, they cannot. Uh, live with this kind of reforms because uh, the way, for example, how uh, power is being transferred from one member of the family to the other in Dabo City, they want to replicate that uh, in, the, in, in the national level. No? In fact, uh, uh, recently, uh, they were already offering the so-called Dabo formula where uh, both uh, uh, father and uh, daughter will run no? uh, in the national election. So, uh, yung mga reforms na, like anti-dynasty, uh, it's now already off the table. No? Even that so-called federalism and other political reforms because uh, this, this will, if these reforms will uh, uh, be implemented, this will put an end no? to this kind of governance that uh, uh, the Duterte administration is uh, doing now. No? So, uh, especially with the latest developments now, no? Uh, and we have to factor in, for example, what is happening in the uh, ICC and the uh, games for uh, calls for accountability. Very crucial for 2022 that uh, uh, the influence and control of the Duterte administration will have to continue. So that's why all these reforms are no longer uh, on the table, so to speak, Christian. Okay, finally, Attorney Mike, to be fair to President Duterte, correct me if I'm wrong, but did he actually talk about specific political reforms at the start of his administration, aside from a more generalistic approach to federalism. I don't remember him talking in particular about the details of the kind of a federal government that he wanted. Tapos more so, at the beginning, I don't remember him talking about anti-political dynasty law or uh, a law against party switching or political party reform. So why, why would you expect him to deliver on those supposed promises when in fact, Perhaps he didn't actually embrace them at the start. Uh, what you're saying is is uh, partly true, Christian. No? That when he began, he was really speaking in general terms and really uh, we can say mostly slogans and sound bites, right? But 
as far as federalism is concerned, you have to remember that he actually organized a constitutional or a consultative committee to draft a federal constitution, right? Gave them a deadline, which they met by, uh, in 2018, right? Before uh, the SONA uh, for 2018. They submitted to the president the very draft that he asked them to do, which is a, well, according to them, a Bay the Bayanihan federalism draft embodied the kind of federalism that the president uh, instructed them uh, to craft. So uh, all of us, I mean, including you probably, expected that uh, action will be taken on the draft, right? Uh, it was submitted before the 2018 SONA, so the expectation was the president will endorse the draft to Congress so that uh, they can act on it as a constituent assembly. But uh, that didn't happen. And uh, again, we were hoping that 2019 would be the year. Uh, but in that zona, federalism was not mentioned at all. At least, I, I think it was mentioned, but only to thank uh, the committee. And then 2020, uh, absolutely no mention of uh, federalism or charter change. So as far as federalism is concerned, while it may have started uh, in general terms, as you said, there was a concrete proposal uh, that uh, was off, uh, submitted to him uh, upon his instructions. Okay. And uh, that wasn't acted upon. Okay. And, and I have to mention that draft, that draft, the Bayanihan federalism draft included uh, mechanisms to regulate political dynasties. It also contained provisions that improve our political parties. Okay. So that was actually the political reform that uh, we're talking about now. That piece of uh, document that uh, contained the draft federalism uh, structure or federal structure also contained key political reforms. Okay, unfortunately, gentlemen, we don't have uh, time anymore. But thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank that's you. it for this episode. This has been your host, Christian Esguera. You can watch this episode again on I1TFC or listen to our podcast on Spotify. That will recap the other exclusive content. Subscribe to the uh, no? And catch up with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you again tomorrow after the fact.